Welcome to episode 310 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts, a show in which it officially takes me 9 minutes 43 seconds to get from my house to Jason's. Does that include, include uh, walking up and down the stairs? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I was behind a slow coach on the way over who was doing like 30 miles and an hour for quite a few roads, probably like two, two and a half minutes behind that slow coach. Okay. So I could have been faster. So you're 10 minutes from, uh, from Central now, Pasadena. I started timing from, I, dro- I drove the car out of the drive. Because I claimed it was 15 and yeah, you said, you it, was said it was 15. Now, I, I started driving, I, I, I went up the driveway and I basically clicked the timer on when I started onto an, a main road versus okay. our driveway. So there could be an extra 30 door seconds. Door to door. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So I overestimated. I guess, uh, I guess it just feels that way. I know it does. It feels painfully <laughs> slow. you're all will, the way up. I will you're all the way it. up at the, you're like really at the at the yeah. base of the mountains, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how much further uphill can you go from where you live? Not too much. It, the reason why it's fast, I think, is because it's a straight shot from Throop Church, which is just one block away from you. It's literally, I'm on that exact road. So Throop Church, straight the way up to the foothills, and that's it. So there's no like, you know, left or right. It's just straight the way through. I think that's why it ends up you being You take Robles? Yeah, Los Robles is next, just next to my house. Mm, yeah, okay. so Los Robles to um, Alta, Altadena Drive. Uh, sorry, yeah, Altadena yeah, Drive. Yeah, I always took. Uh, I think I always took Fair Oaks. Okay. Yeah, well, nobody Fair knows Oaks. What, no, nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> anyway. Okay, <let's, laughs> okay. So ten minutes. How much? Uh, how often do you come down to Pasadena? A lot. Yeah. Like how many times in a month? Um. Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really, it really depends what, so on what's, you know, what's going on. You know, if, if I'm like meeting you or or other people, we've done it four times as shows a year. So. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we didn't measure it per year. We need to kind of probably visits per year at least once, at least once a week. You know, minimum once at, a week at least. Do yeah. what to do? Just whatever. Like, I mean, I, I travel around this way all the time. You most, have a car? most days, to be honest, yeah. You don't have a car, do you? Yeah, I thought of course you take I do. Uber every time you come down here. No, I take a car. I have a car, yeah. Okay. I've got an Audi Q5. Well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> what about, it's not just a car. It's, a it's Q5. an Audi Q5. <laughs> <laughs> you were just waiting for that. No, wait, wait. You don't share a car with Georgie? No, we got. We've got. Um, we got this electric Ford Focus, which is 100% electric. Which is it's it's kind of it works really well for us, but. I don't think most people would buy it. It's got a range that's ridiculously short, probably like 30 mile range. Good grief. Um, oh. But, you know, we got it. It, it feels. I guess, I guess if it's only your local car. It's just the local never, car. Yeah. Because even if you're like, well, I'm going to go to Santa Monica, you couldn't get back unless no, you're no, here. No, that would it be a really nice. sucks. So this is really the local. Okay. But, um, Super but local. it works well. I, the great thing about it is, you know, like we, it was essentially kind of as new when we bought it and it cost 16,000 so it's like you get a foot you know you get a really decent car and it's very zippy like it's much it's kind of faster than the q5 to get from a, from, a know, red, from a red cars, light to the other side cars have yeah i can't remember what they call it but it's it's like an instant torque or yeah. something i and you know i remember when uh, my buddy curtis he has those like um those new four-wheel drive s model s teslas or oh, something yeah. like that and He's like, hey, man, let me show you how fast this thing. And I was before I could say, well, well hold on. He just like took <laughs> off, like jacked my head back. And I was yeah, like, take you, it easy, take it easy. It's take, like, I get it, I get it. G-force, right? It was so fast. I was like, because we were like in a neighborhood or something. And I was like, man, I don't want to die in your Model S. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, those things can those things can can move. So um, yeah, it was good. So what's new? What's going on? Well, did you you want to talk about my stuff first? I mean, Whatever, there's so much to talk about. News, world events, Justin Vincent Inc. You know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, talk about. So we'll we'll get to the solve stuff because obviously we've just had solve 2018. Yeah, Math Academy. What do you think of it? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I missed it. Um, now, it yeah, wasn't, I noticed it wasn't entirely my fault. Um, there was so what happened was Jack's cousin had a birthday mm-hmm. in San Luis Obispo, and we went up. You just forgot about it. We went up there uh-huh. to San Luis. See, I got that right. Up. You got up. You just got your directions right. So yeah. you forgot to tell Georgie. So you don't. Yeah. If you don't pencil things in with Georgie, it it's effectively doesn't exist. Uh, sometimes it it really depends or on the thing. It's any wife. Guys are just generally not in charge of the social schedule at all. So if you don't inform them, it just yeah. gets paved over. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I could, I would have been able to do it had we been here. But since we were th- over three and a half hours away, it wasn't possible. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. I don't I'm sweat it. Very sorry. It's yeah. don't sweat it. So so tell us what happened. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, it was uh, it was very similar to last year. Um. The big difference this year was that I didn't write all the questions the night before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Or I rather, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, last year I took questions from the system and, and then had, had to create solution sets and, and, um, or solution keys that we had to print out and give to the judges. And then of course, create our, all the slides for all the qualifying and semifinal rounds. And I mean, there's just like, I think it was something like 170 problems. Or something like that total if you crown all their heats and rounds and events and stuff so it's quite a bit of work but in that and last year it was kind of a fresh it was kind of a problem because i did it all i didn't go to sleep the night before i spent i literally just worked through the night and uh um as a result there were like three or four problems that were repeats which was uh created some logistical problems during the competition when everyone in the auditorium could tell wait didn't we see this two rounds ago or something mm. and so I was like, okay. And then we had downstream effects from, from that. How did you, what did you do? So, so what did, do you have a plan now to swap things out? Yeah. Like- so what I did this year is I had some of my content developers. Um, I had, well, Alex, who's the director of content from, for the math Academy or for the uh, yeah. online system. We know him well. Yeah. Um, he, um, I tasked him with doing that. I said, you know, just pull some content developers and, you know, this, you know, I told him how this how it works, and these are this is how much time the kids have per round, and here's what needs to happen. And you know, you have five questions per round, and the problems to become progressively more difficult, but they have to have time to get it done, and the a lot of time, the a lot of time is different depending on the round and the age group and all that kind of stuff. Um, and however, there was a problem with that as well. Now, the the plus was I didn't have to do it. There were no mistakes. Uh, there were no repeated problems, so that was all great. The downside was that some of the problems were just too hard or just really not doable only a lot of time mm. and if you're a if you're a phd in physics or math and you're trying to imagine which integral is solvable in you know 90 seconds or two minutes sometimes it's hard to th- to guess what that would be and um, and thinking that, okay, you're a math person, you're like, oh, this is an interesting problem. Let me just put this cute little twist. It'll make it a little more interesting. 
okay, like that's great for like a homework problem or a challenge problem at the end of class. When you have an 11, 12, or 13-year-old kid standing in a auditorium with full of hundreds of adults and judges looking at them in a competition and they get something flashed up on the screen and they have two minutes or a minute and a half or whatever to solve it, that significantly increases the difficulty of that problem. And um, so some of these clever, cute problems were just, they were good problem-solving problems that they weren't, as I would tell Alex, I'm like, it's not a problem-solving competition, it's a skills test. You don't have enough time to problem-solve, you know, to look at a problem, copy it down from the projected, from the projection screen onto the board in front of you, figure out even what the hell is going on, execute it, and check your work in, you know, you know, two minutes or less, right? You just don't have time. It has to be kind of like, look at it, you go, uh, all right, this is a system of equations, right, elimination, ding, 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 and go. You can't, it can't be really cute, because it's just, or it can't be too computationally intense, which is somewhat more. So the problem was that we had two rounds, I think, two or three rounds where either not a single team or person got a question right, or mm. one person did. And I mean, there's some rounds that were fine, but there were some where it was just like, now what are we going to do? Who advances? Mm. So now I'm like, I go, you know, so we had that problem. Two, it doesn't look good to the people watching because like these kids can't do these problems, mm. right? And it really was, they were just 20% too difficult. It was just, there was one little cute trick or thing they put in there just to, just to be clever and it was just made it too much and then nobody gets it. You know, if had another minute, a minute to do it, or if they weren't doing it that pressure, they probably could have done it. Um, the other thing that makes the kids feel bad. Yeah. You know, and there were some problems where the kids were getting them, most of them right, and then all the kids, then it comes down to like, most of the kids are going right, and the ones, and then it comes down to a little bit of speed. It's like, boom, boom, they're all getting it right, and, then everybody, and the kids look really good. And this is a showcase for us. Yeah. So it was really frustrating, and I, I can't, I'm not really, I can't blame anyone other than myself, because... The reality is, I think I would have to be the one to select the problems because I know after teaching kids years, what, after this many years, what the kids can and can't do in a certain period of time. And I know what we're trying to do. We're trying to get most of the kids to be able to do most of the problems. Some kids will miss some of the problems and it'll come down to speed in, in the Still end. Still a lot less work for you, you just choosing them. Yeah, I think the next year what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through the problems and I'm going to select the problems on the system put them in, you know, heat by heat. And then I'm going to say, just go and make minor superficial changes, change the numbers and letters or some superficial way. Don't get clever and try and make it harder because you're getting, making it harder might turn it to add a minute in terms of solving it because it's just, you know, there's too many mental twists in it. So anyway, uh, so lesson learned at the time it was stressful because you're just sitting there going, cause I have Daniel and Rob and he's sitting there at the scorekeeper's table. He's like, what do you mean to do? Nobody, I have no point. And so I'm sitting there. What did you do? So here I'm like, all right. Like, Col Colby goes through. No. So I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Um, I said, we're going to create, you know, I, I had to think of this in like 30 seconds or whatever, you know. And um, I was like, here, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to create a sudden death round. We're going to create some additional problems um, and we're going to project them up there. We'll do those later after all the individual rounds are, are, are done or after these certain amount of qualifying rounds are done. And we'll do those kind of makeup rounds, the sudden death rounds. And um, in sudden death, meaning like as soon as two teams get it or two people get it, the first one's done. So we usually just have to go through a couple, one or two problems because we can't have afford to go through an entire round. We're trying to stay on time because already we weren't going to finish till like 530 or 5 o'clock. Yeah. And we've been going since 8 in the morning. Um, 
So it's funny, I had, I was asked a friend, I'm like, friend, could you go create the problems? And then once you have the problems, you email it to Mo, Mo will take the, the LaTeX, convert it to our slides, create the slides, he will put it in the Google Drive, and Sandy will get up on things. So we had to go through this whole thing really quickly. And luckily, Mo was there helping out, and he was the one who created all the slides for the competition. Yeah. But so Hren's upstairs, so Hren's in the back creating questions, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, okay, first of all, they're all, um, we're all trig. Like, we need some variety. He's like, oh, right, yeah. I'm like, you can't make everything a trigonometry question, you know? And yeah. then I look at him, I'm like, Aaron, these are too hard. Like, these are, I mean, because he, he's like trying to- Same create, again. And like, you teach the kids these, you teach them, but he's like, because he really likes hard problems because he's a math person. Oh, that's a really interesting problem. We don't have time for interesting problems. You can't do an interesting problem in 90 seconds. So what happened? So I, so I said, all right, so look, that's too hard. That's too hard. Okay, you get this one, but simplify it this way. Add in a, you know, determinant problem. Okay, add in this. So I had to kind of sort of, he's like, oh, okay, you think? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because like, Ren, you're going to go through four of these problems. No one's going to get any, anything that's going to waste 15 minutes. And then we still don't have anyone out. We need to like two, you know, one, two problems, three tops, and we're done. So, I mean, so it wasn't just a matter of like, you know, not understanding the competition or not understanding the kids. It was really having a sense of what we're trying to accomplish. It was just really funny. Someone as smart as Haren, who knows the kids as well, was still making them too hard. But it's just an easy thing to do. It's easy to make problems too hard. Because to you, you're thinking, you're looking at a problem, you create it, you're thinking about the problem. So then after thinking of the problem, thinking about the problem, you're like, oh, I can do this in two minutes. It seems easy, yeah. But you've been thinking about it. If someone just flashed it up to you and you had this awareness of people watching you and you're not even sure what the context for the problem is, you have to add all this processing. That's the same it. issue with like coding tests, you know, when you go into an interview, yeah. you know, so they've, they've been created with a similar mindset. Exactly. You have to, you know, a level two problems becomes a level five problem when with time pressure and um, the pressure of people watching you and competition and all that stuff. So anyway, I just realized that starting next year, I'm selecting the problems. <laughs> like yeah. that's what's going to happen. And uh, I mean, okay. So that it was a minor mishap. It was a good fix. Yeah, but it's, it it's not well. like you, you must've been super busy and under the gun because normally you do like to be in control of it. Like you do like to be on top of everything and, you know, I have quality control. So it's, it's, I was, yeah, I've been super bit. Well, I, yeah. you know, Alex is a super competent guy. Yeah. And he did do a great job and he got the content developers created some very creative problems and they were close. They were just a little too so you, clever by half. You had a hundred percent faith in Alex, but he didn't have all the knowledge about what the competition was. Basically, The only one who has, the only one who really has, no one, really, yeah, I have more knowledge than anyone because I've sat in a ton of, of, Friends classes, yeah. of course, I've taught all these kids. I've taught all the different levels. So nobody's going to have as much knowledge of this whole thing. I was also trying to, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a control freak. So I was trying to, like, okay, I'm going to back off. I'm going to delegate. Because you know, Sandy's always pushing me to delegate. Because right? that's what the big CEOs do, right? Well, it's just, <laughs> she's like, there's only, she's like, you know, you, you keep trying to, like, take on all these huge things and you can do these things, but you can't do them all yourself. You have to yeah. trust other people. And then sometimes you kind of delegate a little too much or delegate the wrong things or you don't, I don't know. I was just sort of, I was kind of hoping that it was all going to work out perfectly without a whole lot of, I mean, I did look at them. And when like, did that ever happen in life? <laughs> yeah, it's rare that like things just happen. You're like, oh man, it was exactly what I wanted. Yeah, and just I what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, not very much. But um, 
Anyway, the day was it was a it was overall good day. We finished off this year with a giant pizza party. So Sandy, mm. we had the mama's pizzas with these like, enormous like four I've foot. I've seen those pizzas. ones. Yeah, we had like ten of those delivered. Oh, cool! Outside, so outside, uh, so everybody sat around for like an hour eating pizza and talking. The judges and the parents and the kids, and it was a, it was and for kids, a pizza party is like the greatest thing ever, right? So, how did George do this year? George did not make it to the finals, and he got knocked out in the um. He got knocked out in the in the in the qualifying round. So Colby made it to the semis w- against uh, the two girls, against Nicole and Caroline. And then he got knocked out in the semis. And it was Caroline versus uh, Nicole in the finals. And Nicole lost just on speed. There's one problem that Caroline got first, and so she had a speed a speed um, bonus. And are they um, the ones who are interviewed in the video in the video? The soul. No, the, the no the the girls who were interviewed are Clara and uh, Mia. They're a oh, year okay. younger. Yeah. So it was um, but um. It was good, but Caroline was the one who came in second last year in the finals, so it was good for her to win this year. Yeah, okay. And um, the the boys won the um, the so we we only had five kids because because um, Riley's uh, grandfather was getting married in Cape Cod, so he couldn't be there. So we had five kids, which kind of screwed up the team. So we just said, all right, we're just gonna have one, two teams, boys versus girls. Five kids at that one level. Yeah, so the the team of three would have one cycle out every problem. Mm, okay. And um, and so it was fun to have boys versus girls. The girls won. Yeah. Well, the girls no no. The boys the boys won. The boys won. Um, the team and the girl and then the finals between the two girls. So it was all kind of spread out. And mm. Everybody got everybody won something and they put on a show. So so Sadie was right. La, last year was peak George. <laughs> he was peak George. Right right. Um. um so I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We had 15 judges. We have five judges panels of three judges. So mm. that was a huge, because it was such a long day, you really couldn't ask people to stick around for mm. like three hours or something. Um, I don't know. It was, it, was probably, it was very similar last year. It was very similar. I mean, you know, we had a few, a few more kids, um, but it was uh, So good. do you feel confident in the competition that next year, if you do it, you'll have it nailed? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've, I mean, everything else logistically was smooth as silk. I mean, we were just, the the technology, the projection stuff was perfect. The timing was a little slow the first hour and a half, but then we got on pace. We were hitting it like just on, you know, within five minutes and the end we finished right on time. So all the things that Sandy had structured and organized was just like smooth and clean. Oh man, I wish I was there. I really do. Um, Well, we got next year, 2019. I'll put it in the calendar. Yeah make sure that we're not away so the uh the other big news is the uh eighth graders took well i got a few things the uh the eighth graders um took the ap the bcap calculus exam yeah on tuesday just this past tuesday oh so do you have the results no we won't until july oh okay. july 5th yeah. or something um yeah yeah you know after they came all came out you know i was asking them, how do you feel and they all felt they were anywhere between better and like compared to last year they were better to a lot better and um Last year they got twos and threes, which is a, a, a three is considered qualified, a two is considered possibly qualified. Um, but I don't. I, I there were def. I made some mistakes in preparing them. I did not prepare them adequately. I spent too much time doing advanced uh, techniques of integration, which aren't even tested. That are way beyond even BC calculus, just because we really have fun with that. And then I looked up at six weeks before, and I'm like, and I went and looked at some sample tests. And I'm like, oh crap. There's a ton of stuff that we haven't really covered. That so how about ready. this year? How, what did you This feel? year I was on point. I was yeah, like okay. going over stuff. And 
I don't think there was really much of anything that they hadn't seen. Um, yeah. they, they, they were pretty good. I mean, if I had another year, I'd be even better, you know, because the first time I ever talked BC calculus. So there's always like tricks and like, ah, oh, you know, I could have taught this faster, should have taught this first or whatever. Um, but um, I, I, gave, I, I think it did a, not a great job, but a good job. And I think it was enough for their all. They should all. There will be three plus. I think it's going to be three plus. I think threes and fours, maybe a five or two. Um, Colby came out and he's like, a three is a lock. He's like, no problem. (laughs) He's like, no problem. And uh, the other kids get nervous. He's like, well, I don't know. (laughs) What uh, what did Colby say last year? Oh, I don't remember. I don't know what he said. Um, But this year they were comparing it. He said this year of the 70 multiple choice questions on the two part, he says he only had to guess on six. Okay. So all you have to get is two thirds of the points, and that's a five. Mm. So he, you know, assuming he's going to make mistakes in a number of them, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to do well. Do I well, think they'll yeah. do well. Um, I'm not too worried about it. And then, um, and I'm glad it's over because we were doing after school uh, cram sessions twice a week for the last six weeks, two yeah. hours a day. And it just gets kind of exhausting, you know? You're just like, oh, God. And, um, <laughs> But then after the test, we went, took them to Island Burger, and then uh, saw Infinity War there at ArcLight. So mm. it was a nice end of day, you know, nice. way to finish. And now all I'm doing is, well, for the rest of the year, I said, look, we're going to front load everything, do everything before the test, and after that, we're just going to put on cruise control. So other than having them finish, I'm making them redo homeworks that they did a really horrible job on. I'm like, guys, this is not <laughs> acceptable, like, you know, is I'm having to read. Um, is that on the platform? Sure. What? Yeah. They yeah. do the, the homework on yeah. the platform, yeah. So having everybody read Shirley, You Must Be Joking, Mr. Feynman. Have you seen that one? Have no, you read I this? No. Oh, God. You know, so Richard Feynman, of course, was one of the great physicists of modern age. He's a, he's a, just a, you know, obviously a genius and quite a character. And this book is hilarious. This is like all these crazy stories of him. Like, you know, he was on the Manhattan Project and all these things. Like, there's one part, like, just to give you a taste, like, he was... It, 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 so, with the, and the Manhattan Project, Los Alamos, out in, um, they had like this sort of, you know, this built this like research facility in the middle of the desert, and they just had all these like little, you know, wooden huts and things. And um, so, every scientist had like their own safe, and they had to put their papers in their safe before, at the end of every work day. And Feynman kind of figured out how to pick like these combination locks or pick these locks that so he would just kind of, he would just be like, I feel like if he's sitting there talking to you, he'd just be kind of playing with the lock, just turning it, you know, and then he'd learn how to where the click was or whatever. And so then what he did is he'd take the papers out and put it in the other guy's safe. He'd switch the papers from one guy's safe to the other. <laughs> <laughs> so open up in the morning you'd be like, what the hell is going on? I mean, that's just the kind of stuff he'd do. So he that's was, hilarious. and so I thought that would be a really fun thing for the kids to read. And, um, you know, it's a good way to finish through a year off. But um, but also, I'm not teaching after this year. That's it. So I'm done for for good. Mm. Which is... Um, which frees up a lot of time for you. A lot of time. Frees up a lot of time. Yeah, because I... When you teach two classes in a day, I mean, it pretty much kills most of the day. What else can you do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the mornings, you're just scrambling to try and get stuff done, get emails, return phone calls... I mean, you really can't code. You just don't have enough time. Then you're trying to prepare for class, and then uh, and then <laughs> lunch, and then the other class. And by the end of the day, you're signing homework, and then it's like, hey, I got like 20 minutes, and I get a, you know. Does it give you an insight into what all teachers must feel across the nation? Yeah, it's tiring. If they need a summer off. It's exhausting. 
kids are exhausting compared to just like working in an <laughs> office give me a break yeah you know it is um they really demand your attention don't they <laughs> they demand it they strain your you know it's your they just yeah they test you constantly i mean they're 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 it's a weird thing i mean the one hand they're like really fun and the other hand they're exhausting it's like being around it's like you go visit someone they have a dog that's like really cute and it's just jumping on you the whole time and you're just yeah. like i like the dog but like geez you know <laughs> like can we like the dog is distraction is just exhausting to be around yeah um but uh yeah sandy's like look she's like if you're gonna if you're gonna really do this commercialized you know the the software platform she's like you gotta you just you gotta stop teaching it's time to like makes sense and she's absolutely right i mean there's a part of me it was just like oh you know kind of really attached to doing this but She's 100% right. She's, you know, you can't half-ass a startup. You got to go all in and really turn on. Do you sort of feel like you just wanted to to kind of be in there to kind of keep making sure that people do it the way that you want them to do it? Is that the, the, what you're going to miss about it in a way? No, I, I miss the kids. I enjoy teaching. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. To, you know, to teach sometime. I mean, it is fun. Again, the kids can be trying at times, but it's also fun. It's mm-hmm. a real mix. It's a real mix. Um, you know, uh, but you know, we just are in the process of hiring. I think we, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that it's all finalized is the, our second, our third full-time instructor. And this guy's another mathematician, PhD mathematician. So you could, they're all PhD guys. Two of the three. One of them is, one of them is not, he, he'll, but he'll just teach the middle school. He's an AP calculus teacher okay. and he teaches, just teaches middle school. Mm-hmm. But, um, this other guy's a great, a great, he just, defending his PhD at UCLA, which is like number seven in the country in math, <laughs> the math department anyway. That's great. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's going to do a great job. And, um, you know, like I said, you know, like I said, I can't do everything myself. You know, this can't be, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we have a methodology kind of formula. We have technology supported. We have, we're kind of building up a real culture around it. But at some point, you know, I have to, like other well, the documentary crew there itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They yeah they shot everything. The AK, the kids at the AP test. I mean, they shoot everything. Okay. But um, but I'm actually re- you know to be honest with you, when I finally made the the decision to stop teaching, it was like kind of a relief. <laughs> mm. At first, I was kind of like Sandy said it to me. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Not teach anymore? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, by the way, the district doesn't want you to teach anymore. I'm like, they don't. She's like, no. She's like, you're not. You don't have a credential. Like it's not. You know, <laughs> hmm. it's it's not really legitimate to be doing that. You know, I mean, I'm so I was like, yeah, you're right. So it's like, on the one hand, I mean, obviously they they you know they think I do a good job and as a teacher and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, it's just like be really nice to button everything up and be like, okay, we all have credentialed teachers, everybody's paid. You know, it's it's fully institutionalized, and so. That couldn't have happened last year, but now we have enough. We have enough manpower that it's that it's mm. uh, we can do that, and um, then I can focus, you know, focus on the software. Have, you, have there been any enhancements to the software? I mean, oh yeah, well, oh yeah, well, is it? I mean, I have a full-time software developer on it, so yeah, quite oh, a bit. Okay. Yeah, you know, makes sense. Um, so I would say yes. <laughs> but, so, but are you going to start developing stuff or you're just still going to manage stuff? You're still oh, gonna... no, I'm going to write some code. I mean, so he's, so Sivalad is the, he's full time. He's, he's, I guess, a full stack developer, but there's difference between a full stack developer and someone who sort of has 
product and UI expertise. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean just because someone can like take some screen designs and put them and, and implement them using React, it doesn't mean they have any sense of design or UX or what the product should be or product. They don't, right? Those are two separate things. And so whenever I have him implement a UI thing, I'm like, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I have to totally redo this. So unless I design it out, it always looks, I mean, it looks like a programmer, mm-hmm. like a programmer designed by a programmer, which you're just like, oh my God. Um, so I had, we had to build, like, for instance, we had to build this task management system uh, within it, which I think we talked a little bit about because yeah. it needed to support um, LaTeX and dynamic image generation and all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, and so I had him do it. And I didn't really have time to create mock-up screens or anything like that. I'm like, just, you know, just, it should, it should you know, I just described what it, and then they would design, it was almost like, like, imagine you create, like, a table or something and you put no styles in it. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, everything's the same font size. There's no margin. Everything's the same. You're like, okay, I guess that's the header row. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, when you load a website and all the style sheets don't load and you look at it, this, you're like, oh, like, it was like 10% better than that. I was like, okay, right. All right. So, wow. So whenever it comes to UI stuff, if I really want, like, I want to create this whole drag and drop course creation thing. Which is like something you and I could do. Be like, okay, this is how I can look, and you design that, and you'd write, and you'd write everything custom to the bone. You'd go right to, you know, you know, right to the metal and create it from the ground up. It's not like a drag and drop library is really gonna help you that much. It's just because there's a lot of intelligence into like when you can drag and drop and what and how things affect it, and you know, and it's like he can't do that kind of stuff, or not to the, not at the level of slickness that I want. But I can have him do lots of stuff. I was, I guess, you know, like a lot of backend sort of infrastructure programmers, he can do a lot of stuff that just takes a very time consuming and that, uh, frankly, I don't really want to do, you know? Um, but if I want the product itself to be super slick, then I'm just going to have to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point I'll hire a front end. Pro- what I'm probably going to do is I need to, I need to hire a designer to work with because I need to give it a real facelift. Um, but I don't know. It's probably how you are a lot of times. I mean, how, how do you design stuff or how do you work with a designer versus you coding up the front end stuff versus? Well, you know, I mean, I just do, I do all the design, but, um, but I, I've just, I think my, my design sense has been evolving, you know, like it's, well, I agree. it's got your, to a point your where design stuff is a, look, you were never bad, mm-hmm. but even like 2009 or 10, you showed me some stuff you were excited about. And I was like, ah, it's, not bad. It's okay. But some of the stuff I saw later on, like with like the stuff you did with Joanna and, um, and lo- the light stuff as well. And the light stuff was really slick. Um, yeah, you've really, I really like your stuff. Your stuff is really, really good. Thank you. I've always been impressed. Appreciate it. Yeah. If you weren't so expensive, I'd hire you myself. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, you get Justin do this. No, I've just, I've, I've kind of got it. Like I've got the, I really do like the, you know, the, the way that, design in general has moved towards that kind of the flatness you know of uh, yeah me too the, the flat look and so i find that really easy to work with like i find that like the kind of rules are quite simple you They're know clean. Yeah, it's just, just a lot of clean a lot of space a lot of padding a lot of margin like you know just keep everything clean and simple but what you do so it's 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 not always about the design it's about the behaviors around the design 
right the bounce the slick the slide the just the kind of which i see you always do really nice you always because you always want to show me you're like watch this like i just kind of drag this and this little bounce and i'm like yeah that is good you know it's like like you really really care about the details yeah, it's true. and uh it's good i'm like look at that because sometimes i look at them and i'm like i should get justin to do this <laughs> you do you do you do you do good stuff so i i yeah i give you props for that i've, I've always i've been really um one one impressed. big I, I think the really big change is that um I made <clears throat> I made a decision to separate design from coding, and I think that was that was the change to when I started to get good at design. Like I don't design and code at the same time. Right. I just design in mockups, the mockups.com site. So you can just so I just think focus about that. on the design. Don't worry about what's easy to code or what yeah. works with the code. Just think well, purely. Yeah, because when you're designing with code, the way that I guess I used to, I used to. You'd have the two browsers open. You'd have your you'd have your code. You'd have your code editor open. You'd have your thing. So you do some coding. You do something, and you'd you'd be thinking. Yeah, you'd be you'd be constrained by code. Yeah, basically by by the concepts of the code. Whereas if you're not constrained by code in any way whatsoever, and you're just purely going, okay, what is this going to look like? You know how how should the buttons be? You're not even considering code. It does change it. That's yeah. that was the big change for me. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway I need to come in and do. Well, so here's one thing about hiring a designer. It's what I've been thinking about is like, I don't want to hire a designer too early because I'm still, the the the, the thing, it, the site is evolving. And it's like, I'm not really sure what it is in certain things or what it needs to be. I want to get more of the functionality in place first. You know, you ever get to that kind of thing? Like you're building a prototype and it's sort of evolving as a thing. Well, something as, as well that I've done with the last two projects, three projects, four projects that has really worked well is like sort of midway through is like saying, okay, I'm going to design a UI kit. So I'm going to design the buttons. I'm going to, I'm going to basically sit there and design a page of a form. I'm going to design a page of a content and I'm going to design a page of something else. So not the front page, not the home page, but just like a UI kit. That has most of the uh, yeah, elements in it. A okay. lot of the elements. And, and then I go ahead and I always custom, people are going to like, cringe at this but i always custom create those elements like i don't typically use you know the standard bootstrap or something like no oh you mean like an html element yeah like yeah. like like if it's if it's if it's a checkbox like i i, I don't want to be kind of constrained by a checkbox yeah yeah so yeah. i will kind of custom code that in ways that um purists would, would really hate i got no beef with that man as long as it looks good you know somebody's like well what about accessibility and this and that yeah okay whatever <laughs> But uh, I, you know, I, I, I do kind of think that Nugget will probably be the last time I do that. Um, you know, because it, it really pisses off developers, and it's difficult when you're trying to get people to work on your code and trying to employ people. Yeah, right. It makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> in funny. in answer to your question, yeah, I totally know. I mean, you just want to get it to a state where, because you still don't understand it. What is this? What is this thing? I don't know what kind of way I should be thinking about the UI because I haven't built enough of it yet. That's right. You know, so, so I kind of like build like sort of a, a rough cut minimalist API, a utilitarian UP, a, 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 a utilitarian UI. You know that will hold for the time being, knowing that I can make it look better. But just like I kind of have to go some rounds on it, and because there's building features and features, and you're like, okay. Because those other features or those other things could constrain the design in certain ways. And if you design before those things, then later it breaks all the design things because you're like, oh, I never thought about this stuff. They also kind of take over. Because when you find something, 
that kind of works. Like classic example, the comment system yeah. on Nugget. Yeah. So once I got the comment system working, I realized oh, that looks kind of good. I like that. And that could really work for an internal email system. Mm-hmm. And it could really work for this. And it could really work for that. So that same thing, that same UI component can give you a lot of bang for the buck, you know, and you're probably getting to that as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Well, and you don't know what the component's going to be. Yeah, I just don't know. So I've been kind of holding off on it, but this summer we're definitely going to give it a a huge facelift. So I've been, it's, the product is getting really deep. There's a lot because it's, I think I mentioned this before, you know, you're serving, we have five different categories of users. You have students, you have instructors, um, you have you have content developers, you have uh, sort of like Alex who's trying to manage and see what all the content developers doing and what tasks are on and statistics and how many questions and tutorials people have created because you know, we have a team we have like twenty three people like you have to keep track yeah. on and these people everybody's in some other part of the country you're not sitting next to you working so like how much is this person charging and what kind of stuff have they created and how much have they created and you know because you don't want like you want to realize six months later that you pay this person thousands of dollars and they've just haven't done much because you haven't been able to kind of see what they're doing um and uh and also just be able to help them when they're kind of doing stuff that's not quite right and all these sorts of things and then you have editors we have editors that have teams of content developers now so we've now broken it into teams we have five teams (laughs) we have team turing team (laughs) newton riemann gauss I can't remember what the fifth one. Let me see. And so uh, are teams almost competing against each other within the system? Yeah, um, well, not... Let me see. Let me just find out what the last team is because that's just killing me. Uh, Hamilton, yeah. Gauss, Hamilton, Newton, Riemann, Turing. <laughs> yeah, five teams. Um, and so each team has an editor. All our editors are PhDs in math. Um, and they're people who have shown to have be really not just have strong math skills, but strong writing skills, strong, just good sense of like what appropriate questions are. And I don't know, they just, you can trust them. They, they don't make mistakes. They don't misunderstand what needs to be done, you know? And then, um, uh, Alex went and created a spreadsheet. He listed all of the content developers and what he thought were their strengths and weaknesses, writing strength in English language, strength in, um, you know, how many hours they can do and how, Often they stick to deadlines, how strong your math is, you know, mm. just kind of think, because everybody's kind of got their different mm. things, mm. how good they are with the graphics versus not. Mm. Um, and uh, they kind of went through a draft, you know, it's like everybody's like, I'll take this person, I'll take this. Everybody kind of got to pick their team. Uh, I think it has a team of like three or so people. And now we're trying to teach them how to manage a team. You know, that's something I've been going with with Alex. I'm like, okay, so I've been coaching Alex a little bit, helping him think about how to coach his editors. I'm like, okay, you you probably don't want to go and talk to the content developers what they're doing right or wrong. You need to talk to their editor, and 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 then you don't just tell them what to do. You need to have kind of a so how's it going? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What do you think's working? What do you think? And then just kind of sit. You know, like you have to kind of, right. You need to give people respect, give them responsibility, give them control. Yeah, um, it's going to sound weird, but I can't imagine any other way of doing it because I I just can't imagine like getting people to do something just by going ahead and saying, you know, you have to do that. Well, a lot of people think that way when they're managed. When they, they come in and just do this, they don't... It's very easy to say, well, I'm the boss huh. and do this. And in, in different cultures, I mean, this is, we have the whole world, right? We have people all over the world. And so people might right. come from different yeah. cultures, they're managed for, and they just, they might be kind of short with people, 
you know, that's wrong. Especially yeah. when we talk about math people. <laughs> this is wrong. Yeah. You know, like it, it can be really sharp. And you, you're just, it's just over text, just over Slack. You know, people get their, get, get kind of offended. And so trying to, you know, trying to work all that out, trying to work out processes, like how do we make this really efficient and how do we tech enable as much of this as possible? Because I don't want people burning a lot of time. So you're creating like a company culture doc. Well, Alex has been asking me to create like a mission statement and then, you know, all that kind of like, what are we doing? Because he talks to people, but I'm like this invisible person. Like I've never talked to most of these people mm -hmm. and I don't interact with most of them directly because one, I've just been so overwhelmed with just teaching in the program that I haven't had time to focus on this. So I, on the content. So I just talked to Alex and occasionally like I'm online and I see someone run into a software problem and I know Sivalot hasn't come online yet and I'll be like, oh, let me see if I can fix that for you or whatever. But beyond that, I don't interact with them too much. I'm and surprised because because it would be so easy for you to, I mean, literally with just one, one hangout every couple of weeks, you know, just get online with everyone, do like a 10 minute hi. Because um, you're such a good um, kind of, in, you know, inspirational speaker in that way. You know, like everyone seeing you on video like that. I might, but the problem is everybody's different time zones. So it might be a little hard to pull that off. All right. But I hate meetings. Yeah, I feel like agreed. they're just a yeah. giant waste of time. So I'm just like, a, I'm like a no meeting person. What I would do, what I will do is I'll write like a, you know, a short or I don't know, medium length thing. It says, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. This is why it's important. This is why, you you know. But isn't there, isn't there a, I mean, it's funny, uh, Laura, who works with me, um, she's just she's just uh, spoken at a women in tech conference and her whole piece was about remote working. And, you know, meetings do suck, but it is like to manage a remote team, one of the important things to do is to find ways of creating that personal connection that you would in the real world. Yeah, but I find these stand-up meetings to be total bullshit most of the time. Every time I've seen a stand-up meeting, everybody yeah. I know is just like backgrounding and just not doing anything. Everybody's just waiting for their time to talk. Yeah. You know, I, you know, every time I was just talking to Phil about that, you know, and he's like, it's, he's these stupid meetings and it's just like, nobody can understand what he was talking about. And I was just kind of like waiting, you know, it's just, I, I, I just, I, I don't like the stand up meeting. I, I, even at Uber, when I, when I would go up there and they, and you know, once every three or four weeks and there happened to be a stand up meeting while I was there and stand around the circle, 15 people and they go around and, 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 you didn't know what most of the people were talking about. You didn't care, but mm -hmm. it just burned a half hour of your time. It was just kind of, I, I, I think those things are mostly um, a waste of time. I'm not suggesting a stand-up meeting. No, 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 I don't just yeah. say, but I'm just saying, so, but what I would do, I, I like one-on-one -on -one stuff. Yeah, I like okay. meeting people and having a, a conversation with them, but I don't know if, I don't know if these people, if all these content developers really, as long as they have a connection to their editor, you know, the person that they're, working with and have a connection to them and yeah. say, okay, here's the overall thing that we're trying to do. Um, this is why it's cool. Like they're, they're, they have buy-in, they're enrolled in what we're doing. And then their editor is supportive and good. Then it's like, I think that should be most of it. I just don't want to fall in this trap of like this company bullshit that people does like, everybody goes to the company outing and nobody really wants to be there. Nobody cares. It's like, let's just do a bunch of stuff that we're just there because we're supposed to be there, but nobody, nobody really, it's just fake. I don't like. Fake I mean, stuff. when you think about it, like the true bonding happens in like, um, you know, the kind of when you're in the trenches with people, you know, 
So it's kind of difficult to do that with your situation right there. But like, for example, when you were with Phil building that, that business, that was in the trenches, like a lot, a lot of extra bonding probably happened during that time. So yeah, you can't really just fake that kind of scenario. You can't just make it up, you know? I would just say, I remember like at Uber, they did a few of these things where it was like, you know, I think like, you never know, would get together and stuff and it was sort of. I don't know if it really achieved that. I don't know if it really, I mean, maybe for some of the younger guys and younger people who were like, oh, we're all 25 and we're all going to go out and party late at night and get drunk together and have crazy stories. Um, maybe it's just because I was a little disconnected because I have wife and kids and mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, yeah. Um, not that even that's really relevant because I have a distributed company with people everywhere around the world, you know, or distributed operation. It's not even a company yet. It's a distributed operation. And those people are, aren't really full time anyway. So they're all contractors. So, and you're not going to do you're not going to do options for those guys, right? I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, I I want to come up with a way to incentivize them. Yeah, you know, to stick around. Um, uh, I think one, you know, we try and pay them fairly, and uh, we try and make it uh, to be make the work situation an enjoyable one for them. And we, I think, we have like, for instance, one thing Alex is talking about is like he's really proud of is that we have actually have a lot of women who are like moms and stuff they couldn't this is this works out great for them because they can they're highly awesome. educated but they're like hey you know i have a kid or kids at home and mm-hmm. you know i can put in 20 hours a week and this is fun because mm-hmm. i can use my brain and do us cool math but you know couldn't really do something like this if they were working you know you couldn't get you know with that's with perfect kids. that's awesome so we have a lot of we have some, i know we have a number of women who are in situations like that um i, I think yeah we have a lot of uh, female uh, either so we have I think of our let's see though we have Georgia and Anna run two of the teams and we have a bunch of yeah a bunch of female content developers and stuff I don't know we'll, we'll see I mean I, I, I what I just don't want to do I, I, I'll give people enough connection and, and enough like direction and mission this is what we're doing and this is why it's you know you should be um, in addition to being paid fairly and having and being treated well that you should like be excited about this continuing to work, um, you know, but I don't want to create a bunch of fake rah-rah stuff because I think it happens a lot of, co- and, and, and the people running say, I'm excited about you should be excited. We're changing, you know, it's like people are working on, we're just rolling your eyes, like, give me a break. You know, cut the bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Cut the bullshit. I've seen a lot of that where, you know, where like CEOs, people in charge will really want the staff to be excited. Why aren't you so excited? Why isn't this the last thing you think about? Because I don't own the whole damn thing like yeah. you, dude. You know, I have like a few piddly little options and you can get paid peanuts. You're, you know, that's why. Because it's not mine, it's yours, you know? So you can't pretend. I mean, people people don't mind. I mean, if you're a mercenary and you're paid well, it's fine. Yeah. Like, let's just, let's just not pretend it's more than it is. I'm paid well. I'm a professional. You pay me well for my skill. You treat me well. That's good. Like, let's not pretend that I'm your best friend. I mean, right? It's stupid. Mm-hmm. And But people do that. But because a lot of people who run companies are just their head so far up their ass, they don't even realize what's going on socially. And they just, they don't realize that people are kissing their ass or are not willing to say stupid because they're getting paid. Mm-hmm. So I'm under no, I'm not I, I'm under illusion that, you know, that that's the case. I'm just like, you know, but you, you obviously take pains to nurture like an honest relationship with Alex, right? Yeah. No, I mean, look, I think Alex is fantastic. You know, I've, you know, he's going to be, uh, I'm going to give him some, um, some upside depending on how we structure the company. 
um, you know, because he's, uh, he's an important piece to this. Um, uh, you know, I try and treat everybody well who I, who I work with. I can see a lot and, and everything. I mean, but uh, I just, just don't... Your, is it just your podcast co-host that you don't treat well? Yeah, I treat that guy as <laughs> shit. But that's just because <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> he likes it that way. <laughs> nice. I don't know. Um, but uh, so what I say about it? But, it, it, you know, in terms of... Um, it really is interesting, though, breaking into teams. Like, mm-hmm. coming up with that, I mean, that's a lot of... So it's just... How do you make things efficient? Oh, because there's so many people... Yeah, no, I know. I mean, you have to. It's like a function. I mean, basically, you're writing a function, a team function, right? You can't you, you can't have all those people be this big, sprawling piece of code. You have to break them up into units and replicate each unit. It's the only way. It's funny to say that, because I keep, I keep using the code analogy to, about the, about the uh, content... You know, we have to have small modules and modules of other modules and things have to be, you know, and it's all based on the lessons that we learned from software development, which is really the art of managing complexity. Yeah. And in the teams as well, because I was told, because I, I, he was spending all his time managing, working on one-on-one with all these people. And I'm like, Alex, this is not, like you need to have, we need to have teams with editors and they need to manage the less experienced people. And, and uh, I was like, you know, and, and all we do, one thing we need to do is we should have ownership. A team has to own a module or modules. Like these modules are owned by this team. So they have, you know, so they can have, they can spend a lot of time thinking really deeply about it and making sure that it's really at the, at the right level or if it's missing things or if there are problems with it, it's theirs to own. But the problem is if nobody owns anything, it's just this big sprawling mess of, um, of content then nobody, it's like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not going to debug that, I'm not going to fix that, it's not my problem. It's so funny you should say that, because I was thinking, I've been using the, the Fitbit app, the web app. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking at like, so they ha- you go to the Fitbit web app, you have a dashboard, then you have like a food entry system, then you have like a sleep logging system. Yeah. Each page is just completely different. And mm-hmm. I've been thinking in my mind, they just must have totally different teams creating gonna... <laughs> each of these pages. <laughs> so um, that's want... why on top you have to have somebody yeah. on top who's who's who is enforcing a style. Yeah, guide. exactly. You you know, need this it. is what that's what we have. We have a style guide. You need a standard. You need so, a, a standard bearer. This yeah. is what we're doing. You have to have somebody who's. But they just talk to the editors. The editors. And say, it's your editors. responsibility to yeah. like high quality, but you have to maintain these conventions and things that were style conventions or whatever they are. That's funny. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, um, oh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about. I don't know, but it's, but you know, it's like when, when, when nobody owns it, imagine if you had a giant code base, you know, 20 developers and nobody was really sort of like had any responsibility for any particular subsystem. Yeah. It's, I think it becomes a mess because nobody wants to do the crap work. Everybody just wants to, oh, I'm going to create the new stuff. Like, well, who's going to debug and refactor this? And, you know, we have some problems like the, you know, this other thing. You don't want to do that. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. no, you're responsible for that. So when that breaks or crashes or is slow, that's your fault. But then when it's awesome, that you get credit for that. But, that, but, but you can, <clears throat> as, as you, you know, you've suggested as well, you can kind of front load some of those problems by really getting down deep with the people who are creating the content and getting them to understand you and the way that you think about things and the way that you architect things. So that if you can kind of instill that in the culture that you have less chance of this craziness happening, even if you do have like 20 people, because everyone's kind of on your, on the standard bearer's wavelength. You well, know that's, what I mean? So that's kind of like the style guide. 
they have to, we have a, a style guide they have to read, right? And then Alex has, to, he hires them and really kind of onboards them. So this is what we do and this is how we're doing it and this is why we do it that way. So he kind of does that. And then they go on the editor and the editor needs to enforce like this is what we're doing. This is why mm -hmm. we do it this way. So does the software enforce anything? Like what are you thinking? I don't know. Just like styling standards, sorry, style standards or any kind of standards. Like could you automate some of that into the system itself? Mm, I don't know. I mean... Not really. Most things are just sort of like, you know, don't, you don't, we don't write like three sentence paragraphs, make paragraphs like a one or two sentences. You know, you don't, um, you don't write a lot of inland math. You write nice block, you block, you know, it's just, it'd be hard. And there are certain instances where you would, but it's just kind of like. Well, the paragraph I, one, you just said that could definitely be automated. You could, but some of the stuff I think would be just more trouble and it's worth. It's not that most people sure. follow this stuff. It's easy to look at and you go, it, you know, they, they can look at, read, like read through those tutorials and say, this is how you do it. And they look at the style guide and you say, do this, not this, do this, not this. It's like Grammarly for math tutorials. It is. <laughs> it is, you know. Um, and it takes a little time to totally get people going. But with a with an editor who's kind of working with them and they're saying, hey, you know, look, I know she did this on these. Don't do that. Do this. And, and we have them come on gradually. So we don't say, hey, go create 20 questions. And like, oh, you need to fix all of them. It's like, write three questions for this topic. Okay. Yeah. Now, you see here that this explanation, needs, you need to skip in some steps. Here, you're ramping up the difficulty quick here you're not you know and then and they go okay but i like those create like five similar to each one of those three you know mm -hmm. a certain amount of vari variation and you know whatever but um i want to write a, a talk i've got this idea in my mind about a talk a presentation called um small is big and basically it, it seems to me to be one of the most important learnings in life that small is big, like just what you like every, every time you when you break things down into smaller units, you can create really good big things out of lots of well conceived small things. Mm -hmm. And it's it's true in nature as well. I mean, if you look at, I don't know, sand Cell. or Cell. atoms or cells, cells. Yeah. or anything, you know, everything is structures, larger structures. It's not like one mass of mm -hmm. the only thing it's like that is like a tumor. You're just bad. <laughs> it should, yeah. should be titled "Don't Grow a Tumor." <laughs> I was, yeah. Tumors undifferentiated mass of cells, which don't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a um, productive anyway. But uh, yeah, no, it's true. You know, um, so I got a whole other story that's kind of related to this, but we can yeah. go into something else. No, no, do it, do it, go. So um, there's this uh, startup that. Um, Local here to Pasadena, they the the founder had asked me to be recently had asked me to be an a, an advisor, and I had um, I had met with him, and I think it was like in August or something last year, and and essentially, I don't want to go too in the detail with them, but I'm going to say it has to do with um, leveraging uh, user user generated data, so you have a lot of user you have data that you generate on LinkedIn and Facebook and. Your consumer behavior well that stuff is all being monetized by other entities and you're not you in control of it and you're certainly not being compensated for it well imagine if you could control it and you could be compensated for it sounds like a kind of a, a little bit of a hard thing to do but they came up with a really good idea on how to do it and um i remember him saying well you know he's talking about what they're going to do and i he's like well because i just said look just do this this and this build something really simple get it out in front of people, iterate, you know, those kinds of things. 
In other words, uh, the right advice. Yeah, the right advice. To keep it simple, keep it, you know, you know, you don't know all learning starts once you your customers start using everything before then is just kind of imagine you know, imaginary land fairy tales. Um <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Uh don't spend you know, too much time you know, fussing over the details and the design before that. Just get it out there. And um and he's like, well, he's like, yeah, we got this guy who's, he's, you know, he's, he's like, he's expensive to design the UI and everything. He's like $50,000. And I was like, and he, I was like, no, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's like, no, but he's really good. I'm like, no, that's a horrible idea. I was like, how about 3000 3000 for the UI. You don't have to have a $15,000 UI, just $3,000. Okay. Get you know, so so I, I was trying to wave him off on all that and everything. They're like, oh, okay, you know, and they're kind of like, and then I didn't really talk to him for, I don't know, nine months or so, and he comes back, and basically I've discovered that um, they blew through well over six figures and still don't have product. <laughs> I mean, it's... And I was like, okay, you know, but they were on the verge of raising money from a couple of named, big-named investment oh, funds it's, just the, it's always the story yeah so, right it's always the story it's right? so frustrating it's so frustrating <laughs> yeah. it fucking drives me nuts uh, you know i i have to talk to 400 of these kind of people like it's like oh it's so frustrating <laughs> really you keep going through the whole thing well i mean i have done for years it's very very they frustrating just, they have an idea they want to just create some designs or mockups and they want to go to they see just if they need raise to money. learn their way they just need to they just need to, to they just don't listen to it what you say, they have to make their own mistake. It's quite frustrating. Like teenagers. Yeah. It, it, at startups. Yeah, this is like startup high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's like startup high school. It's just, they act like high schoolers. They don't listen. They know everything. And then after you have to uh, after pick them up from, from jail, from being arrested with their knucklehead <laughs> friends, you're like, okay, now you listen to me this time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't be an idiot. Um, well, yeah, it was funny. So, like, I went out to uh, dinner with him. And I realized that like they were down to like you know just a little bit of money, and the and the uh, founder had kind of like downsized life big time, and he has a wife and a baby, and they were kind of and I'm just like oh god, you know selling their cars and just I'm like okay, <sighs> so I'm like all right look, so I went and met yesterday with um, two of his like the UI person and the COO, and they're really sharp and everything, but it was clear that they've just been kind of. You know, it's like when you think you're on the verge of raising money, you you don't re you don't really make much product make much progress on the product. You spend all this time just trying to sure get get the things that they want to see, more financials, other stuff with the deck, just getting people on the team, and then and all the people on the team are these big shot people have these big names, and they did this and did that, but nobody actually does anything, or they're just tangentially involved as sort of some strategic advisor or something. Man, the Silicon Valley guys should just make a movie, like a one movie about this whole thing, because it's so fucking classic. Everyone does what you're saying. Isn't it funny? Everyone well, does it. That's what I told him. I said, look. Everyone. I said, I've done it like at least three times. Yeah. Everyone does it. Somehow you think that if you have this pitch deck and you have all these big names on the pitch deck, that that's what's going to get you somewhere. The work. Well, we were, we were out to eat, we were out eating Mexican food, and I'm like, well, you fucked this up. And he's like, oh, thanks. And I was like, no, look. <laughs> I go, it's not too late. I was like, I'm just, I, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying everyone does this. Everyone. I said, but now we got to, now we got to, uh, you know, we got to fix it now. And I said, you're down to your last dollar. And I was like, you know, 
Nothing focuses the mind like being hung at dawn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Having like, a gun to the head, right? You gotta like focus on um, on what needs to be done. So I went and met with the um, like the UI, uh, the person who's head of UX and UI, and the person who's um, she's like the COO, and they're both you know they're really sharp and really good. And, and they were showing me the app, and I'm like, they were showing me like the click through kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. Like that's that's the app. I'm like, this is not. I mean, it's the kind of thing you think. I mean, you can't really build anything in the weekend. But it's the kind of thing you feel like you could build in a weekend, you uh-huh. know. But you could definitely get that. You could definitely get something working in a few weeks. Yeah. And I was like, okay. No, tell me you didn't take it on. No, I didn't. No, I'm not coding it myself. Okay. But I said, here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> I said, we're gonna go on Upwork. We're gonna find a developer. We're gonna get them on. We're just gonna set up a GitHub. We're gonna do issues. We're gonna do exactly how I work with Sivalod. Every day, this is, we're gonna have a series of issues, you know, and they're gonna commit their code at the end of every day. We're gonna compile it. And we're just gonna go screen by screen and just boom, 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 boom. It's just, it's not that hard. You just gotta stay on top of it. Here's what I want every day. And, you know, we'll have something. I mean, this person will pay someone, you know, somewhere 20 bucks an hour or whatever. And you get it. It's just what do they say? React Native. They're like, well, they. They've been extremely frustrated because they, because because they didn't. I think they got sucked in this whirlwind of like we're almost there. We just about to close, you know, big investment rounds. Everybody thinks they're like a week away from that, and then after like five months go by, and they run out of money, and people leave, and now just happens. And then, and then you realize exactly all you had to way. do was this. Why do you? I said you didn't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so frustrating. I think like, you need to understand that the investors, when they look at that, you're being compared to all their other investments opportunities all the other you know pitches and a good portion of them not only have a product a working product they have traction and not only traction a lot of them have revenue and growing revenue you got nothing so even if you might sound like you have a bigger idea you haven't removed any risk from the table you haven't removed um uh you know execution risk at all you haven't removed like your ability, like market risk or, you know, ability to grow, like, like, you know, figure out anything like what's your cost of acquisition. You haven't, you haven't figured anything out. But it, it's not even just us bootstrappers, you know, microconf or whatever, like even Y Combinator, I, I was reading like a, an interview with Je- Jessica Livingston, you know, the co-founder of Y Combinator. And this is advice that they give all the time. And someone's just said, what, what is the single most important piece of advice? You'd, you know, you've built this fund. It's got, you know, multi-billion dollars. What's the single most important piece of advice you would give to founders? Start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just do stuff. <laughs> but I think, of course, it's like build the product. Yeah, like that's, you know, that's, that's what she means. Like that's what she means. Like, but some people, see, here's the thing. Some just people. Start. So one of their start, they think their start is like create a deck. Yeah, I know. They think their start is write a white paper. Right. They, right. The, so especially when you're talking to people who aren't technical, um, you know, people do what they're comfortable doing. So designers design, business people create decks and financials, coders write code. But for starters, what you really need to do is actually build the product. I mean, that's not enough, but... You know, the first thing is get, but then you got to get out in front of people. Well, there's something before building the product is getting out in front of people. You don't need yeah. to build a product. You can just literally start getting out in front of people and finding out what they want. 
Yeah, exactly. You don't need to do anything. Betting that, right, that's true. That's you don't true. Need that's to right. do anything. That's right. Because I mean, yeah. I guess I'm assuming that you already have done some market research yeah, because, and yeah, customer right. development. Yeah. Yeah, so... And, 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 then, and then you don't need to build a product. You just do a Wizard of Oz. You know, yeah. you just do a man behind the curtain. That's what I told him. I said, look, <laughs> this doesn't have, because they were like, well, you know, because you were talking about like, well, we have this guy and he's like the director of such and such. And he came in like, no, 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 you don't need any of that. You just able to write some damn code. All we need is someone who's, who, who, someone who knows React Native and can, can, can build a basic app in, you know, a month. And there's a lot of people that can do that. And you have to, you don't give them equity and, they, and you don't want someone who's working the weekends. You want someone who's doing this full time. You're just paying them and they're going to build the damn app. And it doesn't have to be great. It just has to work well enough. It doesn't even have to scale because guess what? You're not going to have scaling problems at first. Look at Uber. Yeah. It was just one, one PHP page. One PHP, uh, call flow, 2000 lines, one function, one <laughs> function to roll them all. <laughs> call flow. I was still reading like, this is the worst piece of code I've ever seen in my life. Literally the worst, I would say probably the worst code, piece of code I've ever, it would go up there as probably the worst. I mean, I've downloaded some back in the old day when you had PHP classes and you'd download yeah. some crappy PHP script that somebody uploaded. I mean, I saw some garbage. This but, wasn't far off. This was in the neighborhood of that kind of just total this, this, crap. The, so the, the first Uber crap, script. And that ran Uber for like a year. <laughs> so suck on that you know what i mean that just goes to show you that, <laughs> that just, goes just goes to show you, you it doesn't mean like just shit. get it in front of customers get customers using it i mean the whatever it is i still remember the first version so getco was one of the big high frequency trading firms make like billions of dollars just and they uh, teamed up with a um company called robo trade a robo trader which was this one guy he had built who's a grain trader out of kansas city and he built the thing using visual basic and that was a start. And they made like billions of dollars. I'm just kind of iterating and building on that. And it all started with a little VBA app. But everything mm -hmm. starts like it starts with a PHP script, a VBA app. Like it doesn't start with some fancy, schmancy, like written in Haskell or Go. Small and is big. Just <laughs> shite. Just shite works, you know? <laughs> just build something crappy. Like almost build it in like a crappy, just just so that you don't spend time fussing over details and egg like force you i did that remember sometimes when you and i were coding together you're like why don't you just refactor i'm like no i'm not gonna refactor anything because as soon as i start doing that it's an endless mm. you know and i'm trying to fight against my natural instinct to be perfectionist mm. so i would allow not allow myself to 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 fuss over refactoring this and split this into multiple classes then we'll do this design pattern and we'll break like stop 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 <laughs> like don't do that because i have to fight against that instinct mm. in myself um, just get something working and then you can go back and start cleaning stuff up. Um, even if it's maybe less efficient to do it, that might be better to clean it up a little bit as you go along. And sometimes I would clean it up, but I try not because it's so easy to like lose three weeks of just, well, you know, I'm just going to rewrite and clean everything up and unwrite this really cool design pattern. It's going to be a flyweight mm. and a command pattern. We're going to have a factory this. And no, no, you know, like losing three weeks. That's very, very true. So, yeah. um, anyway, I'm going to try, I'm trying to uh, help help these guys because I'm just going to set it up. I'm just going to help them find somebody decent on Upwork. I already set account. Just get someone to build it. We're just going to get stuff going. I'll check in with you once a week. We'll get it going the first couple of days and let me just go. And we'll show you that we can do this thing for five grand. You know, just get something working. I mean, the first version of, like I said, the first version of the app from Uber app is built on the consulting firm out of Mexico on the cheap. It worked. You know, and um, uh, yeah, it was funny. I was telling Sandy, I was like, I was like, 
uh, yesterday because they were all like, because you see, they're all just really desperate. Like, is like the end of the line. And I was like, you know, I told you, I feel like Captain America Infinity where he walks out of the shadow and they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Sandy just rolls her eyes. She's like, uh, you know. I'm like, you're not nice. buying it? She's like, no. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm, I, they're really, really good people and they're smart. They just don't know how to build a technology product. And to mm. them, it's this great big magical mystery, how the code gets written and what happens. They just don't know. And so they do, they avoid it and they've been doing, they think it's more complicated than it is. So you have to have these. How did you get connected with them? He was, there was a guy who interviewed me, Brian Barry, who interviewed me for a local, it was a public access channel about Math Academy. Mm. And he's really involved. He knows all the things going, all the people who are doing some kind of, Community-based nonprofit volunteer stuff, and he's and uh, in the in the pa- yeah in the Pasadena area, and he knew and he knew this guy and um, kind of you know we all went to dinner that first time, mm. and um, I th- like I said I think it's it's one of these things that's I think it's a really cool idea if they can make it work, but you just got to build a damn product and you just don't spend you just don't do it the wrong way like everybody else does the wrong way six months. But here's the thing here's the problem though why isn't it a universal truth? This is what I don't understand. Like it's <laughs> it's so fund it's such a fundamental it's so fundamentally obvious when we speak about it, and you, you know many times I've said it to people, but they still just go ahead and do it the other way anyway. Like even though it's such a fundamental obvious truth, why? Well, I think so. In I think in his case, for instance, he when you're not when you can't build it yourself. You just do the things you want to do and you know how to like create a deck and, and and have meetings with people and and try and hire people and then you think oh i'm gonna hire these people who have like these big impressive resumes oh this is the person at x and they're big shot this way and that way because you think they'll solve the problem but those, those people really won't solve the problem but maybe also because you're thinking in billions you're thinking mm-hmm. before before you do anything when you're at this stage you're thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna build a billion dollar company so I'm, I need billion dollar never, people. Never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I need billion dollar people to build a billion dollar company. Billion. <laughs> that's, that's what <laughs> Phil and I were jokingly so we call. I guess we never you'd go off on this like a billion dollar idea. It's like billion dollar baby. <laughs> Just this billion dollar baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so it's so easy to yeah think of billions. You get excited, and and us as entrepreneurs, it's like you are naturally optimistic, right? Naturally thinking. And it, it can, it can become billionaire, but not yet. And if you think about that, you get too clouded and you, you get too high in your own supply, you get nothing done. You see, I would say that Modern Teacher, where I, the company I work for, is the first company I've seen, I've kind of fully seen and, and been, at the, been at the kind of the C level mm-hmm. from the get-go, getting the funding mm-hmm. through to execution, through to building the team, through to going. And, and, like there's a lot of heavy lifting for these kind of like really big startups. And I can see how that's not a billion dollar company, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I can see why I used to think, oh, this is going to be a billion dollar company. And now I can see, oh, that's why it's really mm-hmm. difficult to build a billion dollar company. Right. So I guess that's kind of new information in my mind, you know? That's well, quite somebody new. can be successful and it's not even close to being a billion dollar company. Oh yeah, exactly. That's you know, that's another big get. point. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's not. There's not that many of them around comparatively. No, I mean, I mean, like, dude, 
a million revenue, two million revenues. Incredible. I mean, yeah. I mean, what is it? <sighs> exactly. So, especially if it's profitable, right? Um. So anyway, that's the that's the latest little thing. Um, I'm trying not to let it take up too much time. That's all I'm doing is trying to hire somebody and help them set up the process and get it going. I, I'm not going to be, you know, I can't babysit. It's it every still day. the year of no, right? Still the year of you no. Know, so back on my uh, Captain America fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching, um, you know, it was it was watching uh, Captain America: Civil War. Or no, uh, yeah, and um, and it's that part where um, um, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, Captain America, are like they're they're arguing back and forth, and and he, and, and uh, Tony Stark is trying to convince him, Captain America, he's like to sign the Wachovia Accords, and he says he's like he's like you know. It's just when I see a situation going south, I just can't stand by and watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, sometimes I wish I could. And Tony Stark says, no, you don't. And he's like, you're right. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I I, I, and it's I, funny, but it was like that. It's like you see something going south and it's like I ha- I'm like, I have a hard time. I just can't walk by. It's like if someone's on the side of the road and injured and hurt, no one's around. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, you're just like, okay, this nice guy. Yeah, he he didn't take my advice the first time, but but that's probably the case with most startups. They would ignore it because they don't know any better, and they drove off to a ditch. And what are you going to let them sit there and just die, or are you going to say, look, this is still salvageable. We just got to do this, this, and this. You know, you just don't want to like give them false hope and and keep a. I don't know an animal alive that should kind of probably be dead. That's true, but that but they're not dying because. It, they're not. They're not. They're not struggling because they have a product nobody wants. They're struggling because they didn't build a product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about Civil War was that the one where it had lots of people, lots of superheroes matched up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard. Uh, I heard an interview on NPR about that. They were talking about it, and the guy was saying, you know, how did you match up those guys? How did you match them up? And it, and they just talked through the process, and they said, you know, we just we just thought, okay, who could we pair up where? they were going to have the maximum argument. Like we just right. thought about their core personality and they would just have maximum argument because they both had these same traits. And then how are you going to, you know, what would they say to each other and how would those arguments escalate? Right. So that was how they did it. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. I love, did you say, have you seen Infinity I, War yet? I have, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't, seen, seen, either of, I haven't seen either of those movies. No. What? I couldn't, I'm going to have to check. On, on I can't even talk to you. What are you talking about? What do you mean you haven't seen Civil War? Have you seen Avengers? No. You've never seen Avengers. You mean you the mean first one? The very first one that yeah. has that has like the 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 Hulk guy and Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank God. But you haven't seen have you seen Winter Soldier? No. That's her? Okay. Okay, like just for the next show. Just send me a bullet point of, list of the movies I gotta catch up. I mean, up they're on. just movies. You can watch yeah. those, but come on, this is this No, is but not... I mean like give me the order, like the bullet point yeah, order, you know. I will. I, yeah. I love those movies. Have you seen anything good lately? Uh, yeah, Infinity War. You said <laughs> I saw it twice actually. Well, yeah. <laughs> I saw it once with uh, the family, and then uh, we took the kids the the after the AP exam. You said Lost in Space, right? Have you seen that? That um, that's really good. It's really that, well that done. TV show. Yeah, yeah, we've seen a few episodes. We haven't gotten past the first two or three. We gotta get mm. back on that. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the same thing else. Oh, Sane and I are watching the asset. I haven't seen it. It's a, I think it's like a, a bit CIA Cold War kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Sandy really likes it, and uh, I think it's good, but uh, she loves it. I'm trying to think what else. What's the um? 
Elizabeth Borden or something. Lizzie no. Borden. It's like this. She like murdered a bunch of people or whatever. It's mm-hmm. funny because Sandy doesn't like shows where people are mean to each other. I'm like, mm, they're pretty mean. I to did, each- this is kind of, <laughs> this like, is like mean. I think she's kind of mean. Um, yeah, so you need to redefine what you mean by that. Um, okay, so what else? What's 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 up with you? Uh, well, I guess nugget update. Um, so since the last time. The last time I spoke to, spoke on the show, you know, we had the kind of reveal about what what my kind of intentions for Nugget are. So I've been just really working super hard to make that happen. And the main thing is is um, building out the learning platform. I've kind of got the bulk of that done. And as soon as that was, uh, the, the first thing I wanted to do was get it so that customers could basically sign up and pay and be the first batch of ten. So mm-hmm. basically, I built all that functionality so that they could do that. And um, also, while I was at it, I kind of built the learning platform too. And then we released that, and we've now got we've now got people locked in and paid um, for that first batch. How many? Uh, eleven, actually, because um, someone came through who we really wanted in. So we've got eleven right now. Nice. So normally, ten is sort of the, what you're looking for. 10 yeah. Well, is the, I, ten is just ten is just a guesstimate of how many would be the right number. Well, that sounds fair. I mean, it could we be eight, know. could be twenty. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Right. What's the credit? What you have a critical mass? Yeah. But it's not like we insanity. Don't know. So how much do they pay? Uh, two uh, two hundred forty seven dollars each for, for the course. And how long is the course? Uh, well, how do you mean? How long is it? Like, how long does it last? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it could be between anywhere from two to six months. Wow, that's quite a bargain. Because it's 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 a startup course. Well, well, keep in mind my my end my end goal is to get to a two thousand dollar price point. Yeah, I was about to say, you that's know, pretty cheap. So I just wanted to just make it so that I could, so that it would, we'd, we'd kind of... 90% have a, off the listed price. A lot of people applying, <laughs> you know, a lot of yeah. people applying and... Oh, you did have a lot of people apply? Yeah, yeah. Accept? And But but then again, you know, people are also really funny about price. Like I had I had emails from, from one guy, in fact, a few people with this general sentiment, which is, oh, 247 for like an untested and an unproven thing you know i would never con- you know never consider something like that i you know i might pay a hundred bucks for that i'm like what's ever seen a hundred okay but but uh, then you know other people really do want to be part of it because they know that it's the beginning of something mm-hmm. and people are kind of happy to spend money on being the co-creator of something interesting you know um so that's good but yeah it's it's just it's a real race to finish the content now though because there's 12 stages and each stage has about 13 different lessons and so I've got currently finished up to stage four. We are launching on May. What's the month right now? May 20th. It's May 20th today. So June, June 10. So 20 days. So I don't think, so I, there's, it's not possible for me to finish all of the content by launch date, but we're going to finish it. The aim is to finish up to seven modules. So I've got three modules left to write. And then so, how often will you launch a new cohort or a new class? Well, the, 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 the hope, I mean, I'm, I hope to get it completely, you know, completely um, automated um, to the point where they can launch once every two weeks, maybe mm-hmm. once, once a month. I mean, it's going to start off slowly, you know, like once a month, once okay. every two weeks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's, it's going well. It's just a question of rolling it out. I'd love to show it to you talking about design stuff and yeah. You know, sometimes. Well, we won't do it on air because no, 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 no. Last thing you want to listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll show it to you. React afterwards. to screen designs. Yeah, <laughs> I'll show it to you after. Not just yeah, and the content as well. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but, is it just you and um, 
a partner not to be to, an unnamed partner. an unnamed partner yeah okay who's cool. who, who is working out very nicely with yeah great and how's modern teacher uh, one teacher is doing very well um we've kind of reached that inflection point where like the early adopter customers have been you know we've done really well with those and now we're moving you know the adoption curve mm -hmm. you know we're sort of moving to that next level mm -hmm. in the adoption curve so that presents you know its own interesting challenges what's what is that how would you define that challenge? well i would define it mainly in the level of risk that people are willing to take okay. you know so early adopters are super happy to be just like the conversation i was just telling you right mm -hmm. so you know the people who are signed up they're the ones who are early adopters they're happy to take the risk I want to be a co-creator. I want to be part of the birth of this thing. Um, but then the other guy, he's like, oh, no, I don't, I, it's, it's not proven. Not I can't see enough content. I don't know what it's all about. You don't have enough testimonials. I, you know, I need to wait before I it's kind like, of, okay, that's fine. Yeah. You can be a fast follower. Or... Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where we're at with Mon Teacher. It's like moving from early adopters to, to the kind of mainstream. Fast, fast followers. The fast followers is the second. Oh, fast followers, yeah. And the third one is yeah, it's kind of the mainstream, and then it's Fair. like the laggards or something. I can't yeah. remember. I mean, yeah. whatever they are. So fast followers, yeah. So you know, I think with every market, every product, you you have to go through that and then deal with the challenges of what that means. Yeah. So what's up with the? Uh, uh, you got the swim ready watch, swim ready Fitbit. Have have you been? Uh, have you taken that for a for a spin yet? <coughs> Tried her out. Um, there has been no swimming, but <laughs> <laughs> there has been plenty of showering, a few baths. Um, <laughs> I bathe with my what's it called? A versa, versa, but it's really, really good. Oh, it's so great, it's good. All right, well, ready, it's ready when you are, your watch <laughs> yeah. is ready, yeah. Um, I've got a great, I've got a, are you, I'm not going to tell you, I, I can't talk about this on air right now because every time I talk about what I'm doing with my health, the next on. show, it go, it completely screw, well, gets screwed no, up. That, that, but that's no, 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 this time, this time, this like, is for I, real. I swear this time, I'm not saying a word about it on air. I'm just going to talk to you about it after the show. I'm not going to be public about it. But come on, yeah, I'm man. Not, nothing. Give no, me a hint. No, 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 not even a hint. Not even a hint. But I will tell you after the show. Have you started it yet? Yes. When? I'm not. No, no discussion. No hint. <laughs> Yesterday. No hint. Okay. No hints. Nothing. All right. Well, because so I, it's bad luck. I just think it's bad okay. Luck. I don't. Okay. I don't think anything to do with that. I think it's just. <laughs> it's like you have like your three week, just in three week window. Right. Are you still doing the super slow? Yep. Yeah. No. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm squinting at him. People. <laughs> <laughs> I'm squinting at him. I'm, I'm suspicious. <laughs> How often are you doing it? Um, every week. Since when? When <laughs> you joined the last three weeks? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's every good. week, super slow. Every week, super slow. It's easy to stick to super slow. <laughs> That's true. It's <laughs> super infrequent. <laughs> so I've. Uh, I just had my. Um, I just had my official weigh-in, body fat. Measure. You look good. Oh, like you, something must have changed. You have lost fourteen, little over fourteen pounds of fat. That's good. So that's good. I although it, so yeah, it's funny. I've lost fourteen pounds of fat, and I'm still twenty three body fat, body fat percent of twenty three percent. I'm like, damn, man. Like it's like, mm. it's, it's just, it's just, man. I mean, did to get down to like twelve percent or something? I mean, that's really fat. This but is the dunk. Yeah, to dunk, but also just to just to get. I mean, that's just stuff just to one. be Captain America. 
Captain America, man, you gotta. <laughs> Captain America walking around twenty percent body fat. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, yeah, he's probably like twelve percent or eleven percent, something like that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm trying to think what else. I've I went down from. I started like I was like two hundred and eight or nine, and I'm down to like one ninety seven. No, one ninety. No, it's funny. It was one ninety four point four. Mm-hmm. So, in fourteen pounds of fat, no muscle loss. So it's it's working. It's working. Although I I, I always argue with my trainer because he's like, I know you said that. Yeah, my, <laughs> the whole cheat day. You know, he's like, man, you gotta drop the cheat day. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna drop you before I drop cheat day. <laughs> <laughs> like that ain't happening. I'm like, I I lose weight with the cheat day. Why would I cut off the cheat day? He's like. See, he's convinced that I would lose much faster. I but I thought it was, true. I thought the whole point of the cheat day was it kind of gave your body this, this feeling like, oh, oh, there is like all these calories. And then it's like, took it by surprise so that it stopped stopping you from losing weight. There's a bunch of theories on this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think there's definitive evidence, you know, they can say this or that. And also everybody's different. Everybody's body's different. Yeah. You know, it could depend on age. It could depend on where you are in terms of how much you you know what is a cheat day how you define that i mean it's just so that's what's so frustrating about all of this nutrition and fitness data it's like nobody really has a complete answer for anything it's just like people tend to do this and tend to do this and it tends to happen but the theory is and what i think is probably true is when you have when you restrict your diet you if you do it for too long of a time you can hurt your metabolism they had this people on the bigger biggest loser who, do you remember that show where they would work out and had a severe diet and they would lose like eight pounds a week or five pounds a week because they were like 350 pounds or 400 pounds or something. And, um, and then they, they permanently damaged their metabolism. Their, they, they could never get their metabolism up over burning like 1,500 calories a day. They were permanently screwed. Hmm. Um, and I think it was some combination of cutting the diet and with heavy exercise. That, for some reason, locked it in. And I think that when you have a cheat day, it helps reset your metabolism, helps keep that from happening. I think it also, um, uh, well, for one, it really, you know, you don't have to worry about your willpower because, you know, you spend the whole, if, if you never get to have your, if you can never cheat, you're always, it's kind of raises your stress because you're always, I can never have what I want. And anytime you do break down a little, you feel really guilty. Mm. It's like, if you go to town on your cheat day, then, and you don't, it's not like, well, I'm kind of guilty. Well, I'm just going to cheat a little. Like, just screw it. Like, go nuts. Like, really go nuts. Then you, you then it kind of rebuilds your willpower. And then what happens is, because you stuffed your fat face with, like, you know, pizza, donuts, and chocolate shakes, and French toast, whatever it was you ate, and then you're just like, oh. <laughs> like, you don't, like, I don't want any junk food for, yeah. like, three days. You're yeah. just like, I'm over it. Like, I just kind of want to detox. I want a really light breakfast. You just don't. And so you don't even really start thinking about that stuff towards the end of the week anyway. Yeah. And then you're almost there. And, like, I always have, we always have, like, pizza night on Friday night. So I have a couple slices of pizza, which kind of tied me over. And um, so it works. I don't, and then, and then it's easy. Like, I can maintain it. Because I kept telling, like, dude, if I was doing a cheat, if I was doing a cheat day, I couldn't sustain this. I would yeah. do this for like three weeks and I'd be like, screw it. It's just, it sucks. So, and also I'm like, after my cheat day, I weigh in like three or four, five pounds heavier the next day. But then the day after that, it's like all gone. Like it never happened. Yeah. And then I, re- and then the third day after I reached new low. So it, I don't think any of, I don't think my body even, it, it even saved any fat. I don't think it, any, any fat went on. It's inconsequential. So I have this big argument with them, you know, cause I think like, 
Whatever. Well, he can't. How can he argue when you're seeing results? Oh, I call him, I, he thinks he'll be faster. Well, I so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting with these talking with him. These other trainers. He's like, and he's like, yeah, man, if you this. I'm like, I'm like, how many people in here, in this gym, have lost 15 pounds of fat in the past four months? One. <laughs> That's right. One. Me. All these people in these classes trained. None of them have lost as much weight. So why are you giving me a hard time? <laughs> I'm the only one winning. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but you know, I'm like, dude. I'm like, I eat my pollo loco lunch every day with chicken and two things of pinto beans. And they're all like, come on, you should be doing that. I'm like, I don't have to eat a plate of broccoli. You go eat a plate of broccoli. I'm still losing weight. You know? So do you, do you like hold court with all the personal trainers in there? There's like the circle Sometimes, of- Well, when I go on a rant, I, well, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine. I can picture that in my yes, mind. Was it two days ago? I went on, I was- I've, Friday, I was uh, the elliptical with my buddy Todd, who you would you would like. He's hilarious, and and I'm I went on a big rant about things, and he's just like, he's like, man, I feel like I feel like I'm in a Judd Apatow movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> Judd Apatow, yeah. And I told Sadie that. She's like, tell me about it. I feel like I'm starring in one. I know. <laughs> it's it's as... true. You truly are. You are like a, you're like a Judd character, Apatow character. character. <laughs> <It's so funny. laughs> but yeah, I was going off because this... Uh, I was like, these trainers, I'm like, look, I'm just breaking down all of your trainer orthodoxies. Like, it's all bullshit. <laughs> like, you gotta eat broccoli. Like, everyone's going on, like, you can't diet drinks or, like, the devil's liquid or you can't, you know, they're just, like, hate diet drinks. So I'm like, I'm like, all the evidence against it has been kind of specious. Like, most of it has been, has not really proven anything. And until somebody shows me some really good evidence that, like, you know, drinking a Diet Coke for lunch is going to, like, give me cancer or something, like, I'm just not buying it. Because it's not. Everything I've seen. So they all... So the funny thing is, like, these trainers, they have this sort of, like, almost Spartan aesthetic. Like, yeah. that you got to eat this and you can't do that. And then even if you don't do those things, you still win. They still are still mad. <laughs> <laughs> like, like well, I don't understand why... Why are you upset that I'm... that a, that, that that you can make it work without doing these things. There was a great story um, or a radio hour um, on NPR, the the New York Radio Hour or something, talking about this guy talking about going and studying all the different places on the planet where people live to be the oldest over a hundred, uh-huh. and looking for all the commonalities. And at the end of the day, it's it's just as far as as far as his you know personal opinion is, I guess. They, they all have something in common. And the, the common, what's, what they have in common is just the society, just the way they live life. You know, they've just got really tightly knit families. Um, they don't really exercise. They just kind of walk and they maybe do like, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes hard exercise a day. But it's mm. generally just, well, they're all kind of like farmer type people. Right. Um, they live, you know, semi austere lives. They have... They eat a, a mainly plant-based diet with beans as the focus, but they do have the odd meat, you know. And um, he, he was just saying, like, he just thinks that in the West, we're so focused on, like, should we eat this or should we eat that or should we eat this? But he, in his opinion, that's not what it's about. Like, if you go ahead and just have some really super organic thing, that is not going to make you live 10 years longer. You know what I mean? What makes you live 10 years longer is the whole system. Mm-hmm. The whole system. Well, a lot of people just have... They don't sleep enough. Right. They don't have quality relationships. Yeah. They they aren't maybe doing the things day to day that makes oh, us happy. Oh, I forgot. I forgot one thing. The other big thing that they have in common, this is the really big thing, is they all think that people who are older 
are just exactly the same as people who are younger, but they're just older. So they they all there's they no they there's, don't give in to they being don't even have a word of they don't have the word for retirement. They're just kind of helped helped out. But you know, so so like they're still city planners. They're still you know completely involved in society. Older people. So that's that's the other point is that. They never lose their usefulness. They're always considered just a hundred percent part of society. There's yeah. no, there's no retirement. It's just, that's just the way they think. So the mindset is, yeah, I'm going to live to a hundred because I've, I've got to keep on. Yeah, I've got to keep on helping with all the stuff I help with. Yeah, yeah. No, you gotta. I, I think retirement is kind of that's the beginning of the end. You know, I mean, I yeah. think. You know, I mean, the thing is that you had to balance it too. You can't make your life so stressful and so busy that you can't enjoy it. You don't, you don't feel like you can enjoy your life or do things you want until you're retired. That's a problem. You need to like dial your life down to a point where you get to do enough of what you want to do every day and every week and every month that you feel like, I don't really, I don't have this big need to, to retire because I do, I do things that I like to do every day, mm. you know? Um, because then, because that's not healthy to be like that, just work, 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 and then just do nothing. Both of those are bad, right? Doing nothing and being of no use to anyone really. Eventually, because, you know, finally for six months, you're like, oh, this is really chill. But after years go by of just not really doing anything, not being productive, not being useful, not being needed, you just become disconnected from reality. And then you just kind of, you all, I mean, it's, it's about maintaining vitality and stuff is just, is kind of being useful to the rest of the world. People exactly. needing you, I being think important, that's is, having, yeah. being engaged and, but, you know, also, like, you know, like I said, you know, people, stress is big killer, right? People are stressed and it all comes down to like, you know, I mean, relationships, having positive relationships, getting enough sleep, sleeping well, you know, eating decently well, getting some exercise. Yeah, you don't have to run, you know, a half marathon. You don't have to like eat, you know, broccoli and, you know, for every meal. You don't, you know, but you just... You can't eat like crap either. You know, you can't eat just junk food and you can't just sit on your ass all day and you can't have like just be around a bunch of people who are manipulative and dysfunctional and mm. whatever. And you can't like sleep four hours a night. Like you got to like do these other things. But if you, if it, you know, you just do as much as you can each of those things and, and everything's kind of fun place. Now, there's the odd things that you people get unlucky. You get stricken with the disease and you can get cancer, but that mm. can happen to anybody. And yeah. You can't dwell on that. You know, you can get out and get, you can get hit by a drunk driver. You can't dwell on the fact that lightning will strike some people and it could be you and doesn't do about it. The other thing they were talking about was in the Western world, people who live, who are healthy and live older tend to be in, in friend groups who do that. So oh, they it, all live older. They all live yeah, older. like the, that group of friends, mm -hmm. you know? So they kind of think that's just because, you know, those, are the, you, you kind of mi mimic the people that you're around, you know? Like you take on their, you, you, you probably hang out with people who are athletic. You don't hang out with very many people who are, are not. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, you know, I was thinking, who do I hang out with? I don't really hang out with anybody. I'm trying to think about that. Like after Phil left for Chicago, and then I see you once about a month or yeah. two months, you know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I have, I have a few people that I eat lunch with on occasion, but I don't really, you know, it's when you're, when you have kids and wife and it's things. a family right i mean i have i have lots of people i interact with you know and lots of people I like there's people you know whether it's Guyon or alex or friends of mine who i'm who i talk or texting for our talk or people i work with but i'm trying to think like well, when phil was here you hung out with him every day 
Yes, because he didn't have shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't have shit to do. Um, yeah, no, I we would have lunch probably, yeah. you know, four days a week or something like that. You know, maybe less later on as he. I mean, we, at first we would always go to lunch because he, he really didn't know anybody or have anything to do. But didn't you do a lot of workouts in the gym together? We did. We worked out quite a bit together. He would not always, but a lot of times he would um, stagger his workout to to work out when I did so we could hang out and just that's why we always make we always laugh about it because we would just sit there and do the stationary bike and lose like a pound and a half a week and we'd be watching all these class circuit classes where people were sweating and working <laughs> and doing stuff and we're just like and that person's just as overweight as they were like two months ago <laughs> like just get on the damn stationary bike like just every day get on the station bike for 45 minutes and just shoot the shit with a friend of yours and just crank out the calories and it just falls off just do that <laughs> like you guys be everybody's got to make everything so complicated you know, it's so hard to do circuit training every day. You just beat your body up and you, know, you just can't. Where it's so easy to be like, ah, just go and, you know, listen to some music, listen to a podcast, talk to a friend. Yeah, but I don't know. I was just trying to think about it too. Like, who do I hang out with? But in my life is always, you know, the funny thing is, even since like high school or even college in particular, like I have lots of different friends in lots of different areas and I interact with them. I, every, I interact with everybody on a limited basis based on the intersection of our int- of interests. It wasn't like I had three people I did everything together. I was never like that. Like, oh, we're doing this, now we're doing that. I had friends I play soccer with, or friends it was, you know, math or with, or was thing was I played soccer with, or friends that I did. I mean, it was like every, you know, I didn't ever had like a group that I just hung out with all day because I have such, my interests are so different. They're, they're not, they don't cluster together. They're not similar. Did that ever make you think you were the star of an ancestral simulation? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know what it was. I just, yeah, I was just always kind of jumping around from group to group. You know, because there would be groups, right? There's all the people who are like, you know, this group of guys are always in the weight room. The guys are always at the parties and the guys are always at the computer lab or the guys are, you know, they would always kind of cluster. They'd always move in packs and they always kind of groups that I was always kind of a floater, you know, just to kind of go from one to the other. You were an interloper. That's the word. Yeah, coming, you know, I was in, yeah. So I guess it's still like that. I was, yeah, it's kind of weird. But it's funny that you mentioned that, though. I mean, I have lots of friends, but it's just, it's just uh, nobody I hang out with, like, every day. Remember last show I was saying how Elon Musk must feel like he's in an... He must feel like he's the star of an ancestral simulation mm-hmm. because of that. Well, it's even more now so, because now his new girlfriend's called Grimes. Who's this... Have you heard about her? Yeah. Uh-huh. She's just this really interesting, crazy pop star yeah. kind of person who's really smart, you know... But also just like really over the top as a pop star, and um, well, she's kind of like electronic music. Kind she's of she's thing, she's or? electronic, but she's she's like smart. Like you know how they met? They met over a over a kind of weird she, weird joke about AI. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it, it it must even be even more like he's the star of an ancestral simulation at this point with a with a girlfriend like that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I guess when you're, I guess when you're just like kicking ass that much, you must definitely feel like you're the star of something, right? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, even people tweeted about it. Said basically, I someone tweeted in in response to their relationship. This proves that we're living in an ancestral simulation. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any um, any news items or anything that you've been watching and thinking about? That... Oh, uh, tech tech stuff. Yeah, we well, uh, don't have to, but uh, well, I guess we're getting into the. Finally, it's four ten now. So we've been on, we've been almost on like what hour and forty five minutes or something. Yeah, there was. I think there might have been one thing. 
see if I have anything to pop up here. MIT researchers have developed a system for dream control. Did we talk about that? No. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that. Did, I didn't read it. Yeah, okay. Did we talk about it last year? No. Uh-uh. Just basically um, found that it's just a device that, uh, like, just as, you, just as you're nodding off to sleep, it kind of just, like, taps you and then kind of just wakes you up and keeps you in that, that twilight zone and suggests things to you. You know, you're thinking of a red Porsche. You're thinking of a red Porsche. <laughs> and so basically, you start seeing a red Porsche or whatever it is that it just suggested to you. And you can kind of record your own problems or whatever. So weird. <laughs> God. Anyway, um, I thought, it, well, I mean, it, you know. What's it, the point of that? I, I, the, the point is, is that um, um, people like Edison um, thought that all their best work was done in that state that they would solve problems in that kind of twilight state in between wake and sleep. Right. So it, so the idea is, is to, um, you know, call it up at will and work on really difficult problems or just any kind of problem that you're trying to solve. And, uh, you know, because of the free association and the different things that you can do in that state and bring it back into the real world. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't really have a lot to comment on that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no comment. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.